0: Welcome to the Conic Blueprint, where we talk about topics in the recruiting and staffing industry with the end goal to help improve people's lives. I'm Jen Fitzgey with my co-host, Tom Gettle.
1: This podcast is brought to you by Conic, a technical recruiting company focusing on architecture, engineering, and manufacturing positions in the Midwest. Find out more at ConicNetwork.com. Welcome to the 15th episode of the Conic Blueprint. Today, we're excited to chat with Caitlin Wolf and dive into her knowledge as an interior designer specializing in social spaces. As a degreed interior designer from UW-Stout, Caitlin has spent the last 11 years tackling nearly all aspects of the interior design industry. She started out as a design intern at Perkins & Will, and then going in-house at Target Corporation as a store planner, connecting business partners and their strategy with the in-store experience to elevate the brand and drive sales. She's been in the furniture world for the last five and a half years. First on the dealer side as an architecture and design consultant. Today, Caitlin is a social spaces specialist at Hayworth, one of the world's largest manufacturers in furniture based in cozy Holland, Michigan. A furniture nerd to the core, Caitlin loves hosting conversations that guide organizations to rethink their space as a destination for people to gather, connect, and restore. She's a Jill of all trades, personally and professionally, with interests in stop motion photography, marketing, podcasting, calligraphy, and renovating her 100-year-old home in St. Paul with her husband and two toddlers. Let's get to our conversation with social spaces expert, Caitlin Wolf.
2: Caitlin, thank you for joining us today. Um, As Tom mentioned in the introduction, you are a social spaces designer. So what are social spaces and why are they so important in the workplace?
3: Oh, it's such a good question. And it's, um, I'm really excited to talk about my role. It's a unique title, social spaces specialist, and it's hard to say. So when you get it right, you (laughs) feel really great. You nailed it. So we, and that's a term from Hayworth, the company I work for, um, social spaces are the places that we talk about where people are gathering, connecting and restoring. And that can be, um, you know, not just in the workplace, there's social spaces everywhere in every type of space. Think about higher education and healthcare. There's lobby and transition zones, teaming areas for the teams there in multifamily housing and building amenities, community centers, libraries. I mean, the list really goes on. This isn't just specific to workplace, but your question is specifically about workplace. And, um, you know, to answer that question, we kind of have to go back in time. So if you think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, when a client was shopping for real estate, some of the first questions design firms would have for them is, what is your headcount? How big are the stations? How many private offices? How many conference rooms? And you kind of have a rough calculation of your square footage and go from there. Ancillary back then was a break room, which was a break room with a door and cafe and vending machines, you know, it was very different than when we think about cafes now and having it be an amenity. So the questions that we have now, when we're talking about real estate and square footage and what the needs are, it's really a conversation about culture and how does your team collaborate? How do people work together? Do you have hybrid workers? What are, what's the ratio of assigned seats? Um, What kind of amenities do you want to build in Are guests coming in? What's the, are there certain spaces that need to be elevated? So the questions that we ask are far more complex and they're almost all centered around the places where people are coming together. So um, the reason why we have these conversations and, and why these places are important is these are the places where there's a transfer of knowledge, transfer of energy, mentorship happens, ideas are shared. Um, It's where people really have that sense of belonging. People aren't sitting at their desks having those moments, right? So the the desk is a given, but all these extras are the reason why people want to be at the office, why they love working for who they work for and having that sense of belonging. And so organizations really need to pay attention to offering those places that give and allow their employees to have human connections to one another to be a part of something and feel something. And when you have that sense of belonging, you're automatically more engaged in your organization. You have those deep connections with people in your work family and you're bought in. And guess what? That means that you're going to be a more productive employee and drive great results for your company. That's, awesome. well,
1: that's
2: so interesting What I, because I'm thinking of, I worked for one of those really, really big companies. It was a collection company back in the 90s. And I think about the spaces. It was, you know, the cube farm and the break room had a door. It was exactly like what you just said in vending machines. And, you know, it didn't feel great. And I have noticed a lot of changes. We tour a lot of companies and we've seen that change. The break rooms, Tom, I'm sure you've seen this too. They're, they're open now there's not a door There's You, you enter from an open hall. There's usually glass before a a huge glass window or wall before the physical space is blocked off. So that, that I, I guess now that you pointed out,
3: I have noticed that. And in terms of maximizing, maximizing your real estate, having a break room before, if we're talking about the nineties, That was a space that was used for coffee breaks putting your lunch in the fridge and then kind of that window of 1130 to 130 where people use that square footage. But now it's becoming this gathering place and you can sit down at 1030 and have a meeting over a cup of coffee or you can sit by yourself if you need a little break from your desk because there's a better view to the outdoors Mm -hmm. in the cafe. Um, You want to have those casual run-ins with people. Um, For me, when I go to work, I'm working at my client's space. So I want to be seen. So I go to places like that so that I can be a knowledgeable resource and people say, oh, hey, you're here. I've got a question for you. Those kind of happenstance run-ins, that's the magic of why we all want to be in the office. And it's become so apparent now that um, we've gone through this phase of life where we haven't been in the office that you miss those interactions. Even if it's just to talk about like what cool shows are on Netflix now or what the restaurant that just opened down the street is, how is food there? You know, we just don't have those like really human connection points when we're not in these spaces. If you are going to the cube farm and only sitting by yourself. For eight hours a day so that's where the magic happens that's why people love going to work because they love their work family and being a part of something
1: yeah i imagine now it's more important than than ever with the uh, as, as we slowly go of the pandemic I, I think when employees are back in the office the employees want to have that that personal connection and i think maybe the goal for companies is, is to you know how do you how do you embrace that and how do you encourage it and make sure that when we are in the office we make the best use of it um, of course, work needs to be done, but also collaboration is a is a competitive advantage, and every company wants high collaboration with, amongst their teams and and uh, across the the company. So I would imagine you know having a more comfortable, i don't know homey, if I can use that word uh, at the office, how do you make how do you make that space much more approachable for people to to um, to sit down and have a have a chat spontaneously?
3: Yeah, I love talking about this kind of sense of feeling at home. And feeling more human in space. I think because we've all been at home for a long time, we've all enjoyed having that casual experience of being at home. You know, anywhere from how, you know what we're wearing or what room we're in, or just getting up and moving to the couch or sitting at the dining room table or at the counter. Um, we've had this much more casual approach to work. But when we feel human at home, it's because we're surrounded by comfortable things and we understand the space. We know where things are coming and going. We kind of, I mean, in our homes, we craft that for ourselves. But we've all had that feeling like you're in a space and it's like not quite done yet or it doesn't quite hit. Um, And when we talk about space that is well-designed, we um, just it's that comfortable feeling like you, you know, the difference, right? When you're like, oh, this didn't hit the mark. And when you walk in, it's like, this is incredible. This is important. And our friends in the design community, they make that magic happen. And it's not by happenstance. It's not like if you add more of some pretty color, it's going to make more sense. Um, what they're designing for is legible spaces. And what that means is when you're a a human experiencing a legible space, you understand what the purpose of that space is. You need to, like, you can walk into um, a library and sense that it's a quiet and calm environment. You can walk into a nightclub and know that it's going to be loud and exciting and colorful. And you act differently in those two spaces because of, I mean, how we know to use them, but they're set up that way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a legible space is communicating to us without signage or anything like that. It's communicating through the layout and it's communicating through the materials and all sorts of different things that lets us know how to behave in space and how we can expect others to move around the space because we feel safe when we understand those things. Um, This is really critical in lobbies, especially as you're coming into a space for the very first time. Your brain's on overdrive trying to figure it out and not feel like you're in the wrong spot. And, and anyway, all that to say is that when we're designing to feel comfortable in space, there's other elements too, not just layout, not just selection of carpet and lighting and things like that. Um, designing with, with these human elements, like biophilic elements, having lots of access to daylight, um, having soft and natural colors, having natural materials, having grounding elements, especially in these big open spaces like a lobby, for example. Um is there a soft something on the floor? Are there pendants dropping down to help you feel like you're not just floating around? Um, all those things attribute to us feeling more comfortable, more human, less, um, less kind of on edge. Our adrenaline is not pumping. We're feeling really comfortable. And when you feel that way in work, at work, for example, you you are more apt to make more human connections with other people and kind of going along the same track that we just did talking about um, being engaged employee. If you're a more human employee, you're making better connections with your coworkers and you're going to collaborate better with that person and you're going to trust that person more. And as you continue down the road, you can guess that that leads to better productivity and a better um, uh, company performance.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Uh, Can we so here's a bit. Can we talk about um, resiliency in the workplace? Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about what this is, uh, uh, any research you might have around it, and then uh, how design offers long-term solutions for that? I'm super curious about this.
3: Yeah, this is such a um, a great topic as we're uh, many organizations are returning back into the office. So resilience is the way that we bounce back from adverse conditions or a difficult situation. And summing up. The last year and a half of our lives, we are all going through this ongoing sense of adverse condition and difficult situation and stress. And so design and space can really play a role in how quickly that we recover from stress or even buffering or reducing, maybe eliminating stress Altogether, um, if done correctly. So um, we all know stress is a part of our lives. Our body is hardwired to adapt to stress. Um, Mammals of all kinds have this fight or flight or freeze reaction. Um, The difference is, you know, in the caveman days, we probably had these, you know, baseline, 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 and then oh, there's a bear, and then we come, (laughs) we deal with that threat, and then come back to baseline, baseline. But Now we have this chronic stress that is ongoing every minute of every day. There's something stressing all of us out all the time. That's not just this event-based thing. It's just our, our levels are elevated all the time. And what's interesting about mammals or the caveman, um, have you ever noticed your dog shake off after they, maybe like another dog walks down the sidewalk and they bark, 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 and then the dog leaves and then your dog shakes off. That's them like literally shaking the adrenaline off and releasing the stress off their bodies. So we don't have a coping mechanism like that to get us back to that baseline. So um, when stress is continued for us humans, it becomes that chronic stress. And um, chronic stress in the workplace can look like a lot of different things. It can look like not having flexibility of your schedule, having a micromanager, not having ownership on your day-to-day tasks. Um, All those things reduce your engagement and your investment into the organization, which can lead to disengagement and becoming a toxic employee, which spreads like wildfire if you have one or more toxic employees in your your organization. And a lot of this is cultural and process-driven, procedural, making sure people have the right roles and are in the right places, of course, but space can help to buffer those stresses. And so talking about workplace performance, there's a, a bunch of resources when we're at work that we are given by our employer. So these things can include user, user control. So flexibility of how you work, where you work. Do you have height adjustable table? Can you adjust your monitors? Can you have a, Do you have a laptop so you can actually physically get up and move somewhere else? So um, especially as we return to the office post-pandemic, giving people that flexibility and control of how they choose to work, even if that's at home or a third place or at the office, um, do they have that flexibility? That because that can lead to a lot of, of job satisfaction um and buffering of stress.
1: Awesome. Other factors, so, so can we can we put in like a meditation room that? Uh, would that help?
3: <laughs> yeah, we we call those um restorative spaces, um awesome. focus spaces. Yeah, those can be for working posture or it can be just like a quiet Dark room where you can just kind of go and, and yeah, I would love that.
1: I've, I've heard of a couple of companies doing that, and I think it's awesome if, if a if a company has the space to do it. I think it's a great value add for all the employees.
3: Yeah, and I want to get into trends in the workplace. So, like, pin that thought because that's definitely one of them. We'll talk about cool. great um, other resources that we get from our companies are just having a proximity to your coworkers are the people that you need to talk to nearby, or can you reach them on technology? Another thing is tools and technology. Um, you're in this day and age we're only as good as what our devices can do for us right if your internet goes out you can't do anything. So making sure you have confidence in your technology and the tools to do your best work and have that not be a hindrance. Um, having a variety of spaces, having ambient qualities like some of the things I just mentioned, having access to daylight. Um, noise buffering around an open office area, making sure your air quality is great, temperature of the space can be a real make or break. Some people are wearing big coats to the office. We've all had those moments. Um, and of yeah. course, the aesthetics of the space, um, you know, and then this, you know, the soft things that are more like policies and company culture. Those are all things that our employers give to us. And if those are bad, if any of those are bad, that's adding stress, right? But if you've got all those things dialed in. You're feeling really comfortable and confident so that there's no distractions or stressors around you. And when you go to the office, you're just doing your job, which is what all of our leaders want us to do. It's what we all want to do. We don't want to be distracted by my laptop not working or it's too cold in here or, um, you know, I'm not sure if I can get up and move. I'm not sure if that's allowed or I don't have a laptop. I'm kind of tethered to my desk and resource gains. So any, if there are some things on that list of things I just mentioned that are, you know, have room for improvement. Anytime uh, an organization gives back or improves one of those resources, it can improve performance. So just tweaking some of those things that are being given to employees can really help. And um, if you can imagine um, resource losses, then can also um, add stress and reduce performance. I
2: don't know if this is a question that those are, I'm, I'm thinking of this list and it's amazing and thank you for it. And I'm thinking if we have an employer that's listening to this right now and they're like, Oh gosh, we have areas of opportunity here on this list is is there any one thing that they should try to tackle first? Mm. Is that a standard thing or do you really have to get in their space and see how it affects their employees first?
3: You know, a great way to get at that is surveys, employee surveys. So everybody wants to be heard. Um, You know, if some, if, if a leader at an organization Thinks that they're giving a resource to somebody that nobody wants. Well, that that's a huge waste of money and time, and right. um, that might actually detract those employees. Say, well, thanks for having you know giving me this new software, but guess what? We don't have um, any fresh food available. We've been asking for that for five years. So, surveying employees is certainly a great place to start. And then we, you talked about trends
2: in the workplace and we were really anxious to talk about that with you. So, so let's unpin it. What are the current trends right now?
3: Yes. So we have, um, so I think you can tackle trends from a couple of different places. So, you know, trends probably at face value is like, what's the hot colors? What's the coolest style? Those are like surface level trends. And then we can right. also talk about trends that are more, um, like, the global trends of the world and how they influence behavior and trends like that can occur over a decade, you know, the Mm -hmm. things that are influencing how we operate in the world. So there's a couple of different things here from the surface level, you know, thinking about, we just had um, the furniture industry gathers once a year for Neocon and that just occurred. And it usually happens in June and we haven't had one since June, 2019. So we just had one in October, a couple of weeks ago. And so that's really where we get to see those things that are coming out and trending in terms of colors and, and the fun stuff. So a lot of things that we saw coming out from there were, you know, from colors, we saw a lot of deep Merlots and rich yellows and these kind of warm jewel tones, uh, a lot of neutrals, a lot of natural materials. Black is certainly on trend from a residential perspective. So a lot of black details and hardware and things like that. And then like the language of products that we're seeing is a lot of curved corners, really following that residential influence, um, especially as our industry has shifted that way. We talked a little bit about having that homey feeling at the workplace. So that's definitely coming and it has been here for a long time, but it's, it's here to stay. I'm telling you that. We're talking about more of those bigger, broader pictures of what are companies looking for when we're developing new products, what are, what is the industry asking for Um, what's important when designers sit down to talk to their clients. So there's been this shift of designing for mental health and neurodivergent users and having accessible and universal design. We touched on that a little bit with the, the designing for resilience, Um, having places that people can go to, I think having a broader understanding of um, how people show up at work might they might not be all the same. Having neurodivergency in your workplace um, is extraordinarily common. I'm sure every workplace has somebody that has some type of need that doesn't get addressed because there aren't places like a quiet place, like a focus space. We're all bombarded with so much technology and some of us can handle it, but some of us can't. And um, I'm sure those users perceive that as, uh, or it could be perceived by others as they're not working as hard or Why are they always resting? Why aren't they on camera? Things like that. Um, But just having this greater understanding that we all have different needs and we all have different challenges. And how do we design so that it's more universal, that um, it's more acceptable to have different practices? If somebody needs a minute or if somebody needs to take the call from home or whatever it might be, um, how that shows up in product and design is having those focus spaces, having different areas where you... um, I think a lot of sub-architecture is coming into play where in these great big open spaces, like I just mentioned, having grounding elements where if you're in a warehouse type of vibe space, can you have an eight-foot shelter around you so that when you're in a meeting, you do feel safe and secure, have that psychological safety? Um, Those types of spaces can really help detract from the stress that you might be feeling. Um, even subconsciously that you're kind of floating around? How can you focus your body, focus your energy on the task instead of being worried about um, maybe not fitting in space quite right? Um, other elements and other trends, um, I think it kind of goes to this one elements of privacy. So on a smaller scale, having, um, you know, more screening elements, having higher backs on different dividing furniture, um, having divider screens, giving users the ability to shape their experience if they do need more privacy or not. Um, this has been a reaction. I think we can all recall all the little um, perforated plastic screens that came out into the market, like three weeks after COVID hit, assuming <laughs> we were just going to build a little shelter around our workplace and just get back to work. Um, that's obviously not been the case. Um, some organizations took that route, but I think at large people are thinking that oh, there's a bigger story here than just putting up a little screen around myself. Um, but really designing to give flexibility to the user. So, um, If you are not comfortable in a large room with a lot of other people, you don't have to sit with them. Guess what? Those tables are on casters, and you can move apart if you need to. You can move closer if you want to, and it's okay because that permission has been given to each of the individual users by giving them casters on the furniture. Um, It has to be really apparent to users that aren't facility leaders, that it's inviting you to move it. It's inviting you to change it. It's okay to do this. You don't have to ask a friend like, Hey, will you help me pick this up so I can change a space? No, it just, that's just how it is. That's how everyone expects you to behave in this that's space. such a simple thing that you can provide. Mm-hmm. Even huh. like handles, handles on stuff, you know, on the back of a chair is easy stuff. Okay. Um, we already talked a little bit about designing for homes, so that's, um, like I said, that's here to stay. And probably the last trend is outdoor environments. So as we talk about leveraging square footage, um, especially in a in a post COVID environment where you know the comfort level of everybody is a little different of how close and far away they they prefer to be to each other. Leveraging outdoor space is just an extension of your office. It's not just a place where you can go at the end of the day and have happy hour or have lunch. How can we make our outdoor square footage work harder and become places that people can actually take their laptop outside and keep working? Um, providing places outdoor with power, with shade, with um, comfortable furniture of different postures can be a great way to accomplish that.
1: Awesome. Fantastic. I'm gonna,
3: I'm going to just close my door because I've got kids downstairs. Hang on Yeah, not a problem.
1: Even, even it real. <laughs> I, should,
3: I
2: should have yeah. done that earlier. No, no that's whatever. okay. I put My dog is sitting next to me in his kennel, and I always worry that he's going to bark. <laughs> <laughs> right. He gave in and went to sleep. Yes. Yeah. So, Caitlin, I, so we've been home. We're working from home for the last year and a half, and I know I set up my office space really fast. I ordered a desk that fit a tiny space. A lot of us waited and had to get whatever was available because stores ran out. So it's just really hastily. I'm not comfortable in my space, and I, and now I want to rearrange it. So what are the top just three? I, you've given us so many. I wrote down everything. My you should. I'm on my second sheet of paper, but if. if so people that want to rearrange their space, what are the top three things that we should consider when we want to rearrange our home, home office spaces?
3: Yeah. Our home offices have been such an interesting journey. I think at first we were all waiting like, Oh, two weeks, this isn't bad. I can sit on my dining room chair and have bad posture and it's not comfortable on my bottom and all these things. And then like a couple months later, Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe we should try something different. This is a little longer term than I thought. And now I think for a while, we've all just been waiting to return to the office. But now that return to the office isn't ever going to be 100% in my opinion. So that means that all of us really need to have a comfortable place for home office, whether that's a dedicated place in your house or it's a corner of your bedroom or whatever it might be, it needs to work just as hard as it does for when you go to the office. Because of a lot of the reasons we just talked about talking about resilience, if you can just plug in and go when you're at home. You should be able to do that and work the same way um, and not be distracted by, where's my cable? I've got to move this table now. I've got to roll the chair from the other room into this room, right? You should be able to just plug in and go and do your best work in the most efficient amount of time. So the top three things I would say, if you don't have a comfortable chair, that is critical. If you're sitting at your chair, um, even like a half a day at a time, we've all experienced what an uncomfortable sit is on a a, a On a chair of any kind. So, having an ergonomic task chair is going to take away any stress, any discomfort, any distraction from you doing your best work. There's a ton, we could probably talk for three more days all about ergonomics. (laughs) I won't bore you with that, but um, that's key in my opinion. We talked about tools and technology, that's critical. Um, We talked about that as a resource given to you by your employers, but making sure you have tools and technology that work. Your Wi-Fi is strong. You've got your charging cables nearby. You've got your setup, how you like it for for your technology. That is your lifeline to your office. If you don't have something right with your technology and if you don't have confidence in that, that's going to be a constant distraction for you doing good work. Um, So that is so important. So if you don't have something that you need, ask your employer if you need an extra monitor. Maybe they'll give you a stipend for it, right? Like if you if you need something at home, it's, it's always good to ask. Um, get, it, get it at home because you should be doing the same quality work at home as you are in the office and you deserve to have those same amenities there. Lighting is super important. So um, not only lighting from a task, what you've got at hand, I don't know how many of us are doing anything on paper anymore, but making sure you have um, task lighting for what you're doing at your work point is so important. What's probably more important at your home office is having lighting that shines on your face. Because if you're sitting in a dark room um, and you're on calls with a client or even just with each other and people can't see your face, that's breaking a bit of the connection opportunity that you could have with the people you're speaking with. And it just looks more professional. Um, So having a ring light um, or something like that that can shine light on your face is great. Um, What's probably most Desired is if you can sit in front of a window and have natural light shining on your face. Um, That'll make you look the best um, and make you look the best possible you can. Um, But it also feels good. You've got a little vitamin D coming through. You've got views to the outdoors. Um, Actually, having a view to the outdoor offers you a moment of recovery. So if you are dealing with a really hard problem or you're stressed out, I'm looking out my window right now as I'm speaking to you, you know, I'm seeing the leaves kind of move around. I'm not looking at a picture where I'm trying to figure out what's going on in the picture. It's not complicated. It's just enough where I can focus somewhere else in a long range view that gives my mind a break. Um, When we're filing information and when we are dealing with stressful problems in our brains, actually being able to zone out is a really good thing. I think we all give each other a Mm -hmm. little jabs. Like if somebody zoned out in a meeting, you're going to jab them and say, wake up, wake up. Probably not the best place to zone out, but actually zoning out um, can can be a time when your brain is making really rapid connections. And okay. so if you are struggling with the problem, being able to see outside, focus on something like the leaves moving or seeing the clouds come by is enough for you to kind of have an internal shift. Your eyes get a little glossy and your your brain is just going completely inward. That lets you kind of file information, lets you solve some problems, lets you um, think of things that you normally wouldn't when you're very immediate task focused. So it is good to zone out. I encourage it. Um, I've been, since I've learned about that, I've tried really hard not to do that to my kids or my husband when we're sitting at the dinner table, like let them have that moment, let them have that, um, brainstorm or, you know, they're probably working through something and then let them come to, and then ask them what they were thinking about. Cause they might've been solving a problem. My That's mind
2: awesome. is racing. I'm looking at my room behind me. I put my, um, so obviously our listeners can't see this, but I have a background so that you can't see the wind, my window is behind me. Cause I'm in my living room and now I'm thinking, well, there's no reason that my desk can't be over in front of my window. So absolutely. That's the
3: reason why you want a corner office, right? You can make your own at home. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to be doing some furniture rearranging this weekend. (laughs) <laughs> um, the other thing I was going to say too, just a really easy thing is to add a little biophilia. So if you can't have that view to daylight out your, uh, your, um, window in front of your desk, adding a little bit, you know, little plants, something that makes you happy, something that makes you feel calm, um, really close by can go a really long way of helping you feel comfortable and, um, at home in that space. Anything That's that brings awesome. you joy can't hurt. Yeah.
1: Great. Great tips. What are your opinions on the future of the office? How has it changed? What does it look like moving forward? Are we ever going back? <laughs> <laughs> are we going back? Or is this just the, the next normal? Is this just how it is? What, what do you see in the future for, um, for office?
3: This has been such an interesting time as a social spaces specialist when, when COVID hit and the term social distancing came to be in all of our vocabularies, I was looking around with my coworkers across the country in my role, thinking, Oh my gosh, are we going to have a job? Like are people ever right. going to want to gather and right. connect again? It was very scary um, but what the wonderful thing that has happened through this terrible situation is that we've all really understood and valued why we gather and connect now that we haven't okay. so. The question is no, or the answer is no, the office is not dead. The office has become more prominent as we think about culture and getting people to um, exchange ideas and a place where people feel comfortable and belong. And um, that doesn't happen when you're sitting at home by yourself on IM. Like those, those emotional connections to why you do your job and why you love going to work it's, it's harder. It's definitely harder to do when you're not at the office. So it's been really interesting watching organizations take a lot of different approaches. This is such an interesting time. I'm sure we'll be studying this for decades to come. Um, we've seen organizations say, well, time to come back to work. No rules, no regulations. We expect you all back. We've seen organizations not even talking about a return date anytime soon. We've seen a lot of in-between, we've seen mandates, we've seen all, I mean, you name it, people are trying a little bit of everything. Um, I think the really brave organizations are trying new things. I think what's cool about that is um, you think about maybe five years ago when the, when benching really came to be, when, you know, people were getting pulled out of their eight by eights and put at a bench. The resistance to that, the nervousness about that, the hesitancy, the stress, um, the coaching, everything that went along with that change, it was hard change. And a a lot of organizations were doing that for a facility performance reason. Companies now are thinking about human performance. That is the priority. And that paired with employees returning to work expecting something different is magical. So companies, those especially that are having a real estate come up right now, I mean, what a time. Um, But they're in a really, really unique spot. If they've been wanting to try something new, now's the time to do it because people are accepting of it. They're expecting it. They're wanting it. They're open to it. Um, So brave organizations are going to do really different things. We've seen and uh, observed organizations consider maybe there isn't desks. Maybe it's just a haven of social spaces where people go to the office specifically to connect with each other. Maybe that's all it is. And maybe there's just hoteling desks. And you know, we're leaning on your home office real estate to be the place where you do your heads down work and your reading and writing and things like that. And maybe we'll give a stipend for outfitting you with an ergonomic task chair and a height adjustable desk and your monitor arms. Like, Let's get you set up so that when you come into the office, it's to see other people. So that might work for some organizations um, obviously hybrid approach is really prominent um, from surveys that that we've been leaning on as we're researching returning f- to office um, asking people how many days per week does it take for people to be in the office to maintain your culture right like we've been talking about you can't have a lot of culture if everyone's at home all the time the magic number was three three days a week is how a company can maintain it's culture connectedness to people. There was less people that responded about one day or two day or no days. It was all threes and fours and fives, lots of threes and fours and fives, not all, but mostly. So people understand that it's important. It's really important. On the same token, they want to have the flexibility. They want to be able to work from home. They want to have their home office or be able to take a call from walking their dog or up at the cabin or all these other places. Um, What's wonderful about that also is that before, if you were working from home on a Friday afternoon, how, how, like, would your organization trust that you were actually working? I don't know, probably not. But now if you're working from home, um, leaders really understand that the work can still get done and we're all coming into this, this situation with different circumstances some people have little kids. Some people have elderly parents. Some people have, um, you know, whatever it is. We've all seen a glimpse literally into other people's homes and other people's lives. And we've all become a lot more empathetic to each individual situation. And um, the ability to work from home is obviously much more widely accepted. And that's a good thing for employees. What I'm nervous about is those organizations that say, all right, come on back. No changes, no difference. We expect to hear. Um, you're going to start to see a lot of people leave and realign themselves with organizations that can offer working from anywhere as an amenity because that's kind of what it is it's a perk of the job to be able to have that flexibility and people want that
2: we definitely want that we we are seeing that in there's a lot of talk about that right now and the great resignation where uh we're definitely seeing that in our the amount of candidates that are looking for that flexibility from their employer and that don't have it in their current employer.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay, so Caitlin, that's so much information. I know you have so much more. How can people connect with you?
3: Yes, thanks for asking. So I'm fairly active on Instagram, actually. So my handle is at social spaces inspo um, posting ideas, little tidbits of knowledge, fun reels. I'm kind of into stop motion photography. So there's always some, like a fun surprise on there, but lots of nuggets of knowledge, um, of course on LinkedIn also.
2: We'll have those in our
1: show notes as well. Fantastic. Well, before we wrap up, before we end, we wanted to, uh, switch gears a bit and do, uh, lightning round questions. So fast, uh, short answers with, um, Quick, uh, quick feedback from you to get to know you a little bit better, uh, Caitlin. Are you ready? Ready. All right. Pineapple on a pizza? Yes or no?
3: No, but I do love bacon cheeseburger pizza.
1: Oh, awesome! I'm with you. Socks with sandals.
3: Definitely no. <laughs>
1: exactly, hard no for me too. I know. <laughs> like socks
3: and sandals, they're big fans of socks and sandals. <laughs>
1: Do you have a favorite song right now?
3: Um, I'm not so tuned into radio right now, but probably the Hamilton soundtrack because my kids are really into that right now. Kind of what oh, yeah. they want rules the house right now.
1: <laughs> great. What is your most often used emoji?
3: Oh, I love the squiggly mouth face, like the woozy face, like, Ooh, I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love it. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much, Caitlin. Uh, really, really appreciate you being on here. Thanks for sharing all of your expertise and your, your passion for what you do. It's been a, a really fun uh, experience for Jen and I, we both uh, learned a lot and I know um, all of our listeners will as well. So thank you for being here.
3: Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Jen. It's so, such a pleasure to be a part of your podcast. Thank you so much. Caitlin Wolf, Social Spaces Specialist at
0: Hayworth, was our guest today. Interior design is not my background, so I was interested by everything she had to say about why social spaces planning is important, creating legible spaces, and how design can impact resiliency in the workplace. Caitlin also talked about the trends in office design and how they seem to have been influenced by our time at home over the last year and a half. And we finished our discussion with Caitlin giving us three tips for how we can improve our home spaces for those of us working from home. Now, I admit this was a self-serving question. This has been on top of my mind over the last few weeks. I just feel like my space it, I put it together pretty quickly and it's just not working for me anymore. So, her tips were number one, do you have a comfortable ergonomic chair? So, my chair is comfortable, but it is not ergonomic. So, I'm going to look at that. Number two is to make sure we have the tools and technologies that we need to be effective. Now, this includes a strong Wi Fi connection and the cables that we need for our phone or our computers to charge. Make sure those are nearby. And number three is lighting, and this is where I made a big realization. So I'm going to move my desk so that it faces out my living room window instead of having my back to it. Personally, I have a really small space, so right now my back is to my living room window, and it's just never felt right. And so Caitlin said that light that shines on your face helps create connections to those you're meeting virtually, whether the light is from a ring light or from a window, Plus, being able to look out a window during the day helps with moments of mental recovery. So I hope you found our discussion with Caitlin as interesting as we did. And make sure to check out her Instagram at Social Inspo for great content and ideas.
1: Thanks for joining this episode of the Conic Blueprint, brought to you by Conic, a recruiting company focused on architecture, engineering, and manufacturing in the Midwest. Find out more at conicnetwork.com and follow us on LinkedIn. Also, follow this podcast for the latest episodes. We're excited to hear your thoughts, so please leave us a review and let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time on the Conic Blueprint Podcast.